Agencies all seem to be pursuing digital transformation, a way of improving service to the public and of how they operate internally. But how do you get there? A small team from the Modernization Community of Interest at ACT-IAC has assembled a list of best practices for digital transformation. Joining me with more from the industry side, Erica Flora, the CEO of Beyond 20. Ms. Flora, good to have you on. Glad to be here. And from the government side, the General Services Administration's Innovation and Adoption Lead, Allison O'Mara. Ms. O'Mara, good to have you. Great to be here, Tom. All right, so tell us about this project. You interviewed people that I guess have already done digital transformation in the government. How'd this all work? How'd you find out and pick their brains? Erica? Yeah, so Allison, Jeanette, and I uh, formed a core team to really look at how industry, state government, local government, federal government, even international government, how they tackle digital transformation, the lessons that they've been learning, the pitfalls to avoid, the best practices that really help them along the way. And we really wanted to figure out, can government learn from industry and what can industry learn from government and really share their experiences to help other organizations that are going through the same kinds of things. And Allison, did you have a sense before this started of where those pockets of innovation might lie just from your point of view at GSA? You know, we expected some commonality across the centers, and that is one thing that our interviews demonstrated. All right. And maybe it's a good point to identify what we mean by the term digital transformation, because it's thrown about a lot in having covered technology for 40 years. I've heard a lot of buzz phrases come and go. Digital transformation is the latest one. And that's exactly what we heard through our interviews. You know, it really is a broad term. It's a nebulous term. It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I think one of my favorite definitions, I would say, is it means hope. It means a, a better experience for the customer and the American citizen. Got it. But it doesn't mean adding 10,000 more people to your phone lines because they like <laughs> to talk on the phone. There has to be some technology-driven way of getting there, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And Erica, you have helped outfits through this process, correct? Yeah, absolutely. On the industry side, yeah, we serve customers on the commercial as well as the government side. And it's really interesting what we found in terms of commonality and uniqueness in terms of what industry saw as what digital transformation looks like, what government saw as what digital transformation looks like. And the common theme that we saw was it goes beyond technology. We think that we can fix something with technology, but if we don't have strong leaders that paint a really great vision, that talk about what problems are we actually trying to solve for our customers, if we don't intimately understand our customers in the first place, we are going to throw technology at the problem and not solve it ultimately. But is it also fair to say that you, thanks to technology, that you can imagine solving problems that you might not have been able to solve earlier because of the technology that's available? I think that's the key thing, right? Technology is an enabler. And it really, you need to take a step back and understand the business process, understanding what may be impacting mission operations and leveraging technology to optimize, improve the, the digital experience for the customer. And is one of your findings something I postulated at the top, and that is this can also be directed inward, this transformation, such that things work better, and mm -hmm. by extension, then they work better facing outward. Absolutely. Yeah, and in fact, one of the themes that we heard was it's about simplification, not making things harder, but actually getting rid of redundancy, getting rid of wasteful tasks, making it really, really simple for our customers and users. And I'll let Jeanette and Allison speak to that. 
what they found at the state and local level was so interesting around equity, inclusion. Uh, yeah, some really neat things that I didn't hear as much talking to our industry folks. Allison, you want to comment on that one? Just from an equity standpoint, state governments are doing some really fascinating things looking at pockets where internet may not even be available. So here we're talking about the concept of digital transformation, rolling out new capability, new functionality, mobile devices. And there are some areas in the country where you can get online and that being a focus area. All right. We're speaking with Allison O'Mara. She's the Innovation and Adoption Lead at the General Services Administration and with Erica Flora, the CEO of Beyond 20. They completed a project on behalf of ACT-IAC. And one of the outcomes of that project after interviewing the people at the various levels of government is a what you're calling a playbook or a list of practices that other agencies can use to do their digital transformations and maybe highlight some of the best practices for us. Allison? I guess as a starting point, and Erica referenced this earlier, you, know, you need strong executive sponsorship and, and leadership engagement to really advocate for the change in the, the organization. The other thing I would say, another common theme is that digital transformation, it's a continuous journey. It's not a finite stop and, and start, right? It's a continuous process. And the third I would highlight is just for transformation to be successful, you have to focus on the people, both internal to the organization as well as external to the organization. And Erica, how can the leadership in an organization make it conducive to transformation? Because everybody's kind of got to go along here. Absolutely. Yeah. So leaders really set the tone for everything. And what I heard a lot from folks was that we as leaders need to be prepared ourselves, prepared to change ourselves, because the way that we led previously may not work now. So a lot of communicating the why, why are we doing this and repeating that over and over and over again, because people forget and transformation is also hard. Change is hard and it's hard on the people. Like Allison was saying, it requires a lot of adjustment and a lot of hard work and new behaviors. And so as leaders, we're there to say, here's where we're headed and really paint a picture. So repeating the why, coming up with ways to measure progress to make sure that we're on track and that we're aligned with that vision. I also heard a lot of themes around using agile methods to help make sure that progress, like Allison was saying, it's, it's a journey. And so we're not going to get it right the first time. We're not going to tackle this huge improvement all at once, but we can make small steps toward it. I was going to say, yes, one of the most difficult changes you can foist on people is new software, since all software is terrible, and at least until you get used to it. So did that come up as a part of the process here is not only develop it, but deploy it incrementally so people aren't shocked one day, they log on, they have no idea what to do. Allison? Yes, so along with just ensuring that you're building in ample time for promotion and training and adoption of the, the new software is, as well. Another key element is just you can't be afraid of failure. It's part of the learning process. It's part of innovation. So that's another important theme, too. So any agencies that you came across that are good examples of having transformed digitally or at least are on the journey and can show some progress? I would say Brad Brush, all the agency partners that we were fortunate to, to speak to to interview as part of the process had various examples from smaller implementations to larger scale efforts. Oh, come on. You've got to name one, though, that you liked. 
I can't pick a favorite, Tom. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, you're GSA. That's right. All the agencies are your favorite children. And we have made reference to Jeanette, who has not been part of the interview, but her name is Jeanette Bruno, and she's actually on the call. So, Jeanette, you're from GSA. Anything you want to add to uh, make sure that we didn't miss anything? No, I think Allison and Erica have done a really great job. <laughs> Can I brag on Jeanette a little bit? Um, she brought such a wealth of expertise around just analysis. And so we spent a lot of time up front figuring out what are the questions we want to ask that really get to the heart of digital transformation? How do we analyze these results so that we come up with a meaningful report? And she has uh, some ties to city of Philadelphia that I thought did some really, really cool stuff um, that I would love for her to talk about. And that really opened up if to, to pile and that opened up all the state and local interviews that we had and the tie into the equity component that Erica referenced earlier. All right, we're going to have Jeanette back, and she's going to tell us about some of those state and local examples, and we will look forward to that. In the meantime, Allison O'Mara is Innovation and Adoption Lead at the General Services Administration. Thanks so much for joining me. Sure thing. Pleasure being here, Tom. And Erica Flora is the CEO of Beyond 20. Nice to have you on as well. Thank you so much. We'll post this interview along with a link to their paper at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. And today I'm thrilled to be joined by Melissa Bradley, the founder and managing partner at 1863 Ventures, an investment company focused on bridging entrepreneurship and racial equity, and accelerating new majority entrepreneurs from high potential to high growth. Additionally, Melissa is co-founder of Venture Back Eureka, a community where small businesses gain unprecedented access to the expertise needed to grow their businesses, and has more than 20 years of entrepreneurship, investment, and leadership experience. Melissa, welcome, and thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Who is the first person that you remember looking up to as a leader? And what was it about them that inspired you? So there are actually two people. Um, the first person personally was my mom. Uh, she was a single parent. And what I realized is that she was the leader of our household, but she was also the leader of our community. Um, she was a staunch advocate for children's rights in public schools, making sure that we got a quality education. She was a staunch advocate around rights for renters. Um, we were not in a financial position that we actually ever owned a home, uh, but she made sure that people who lived in various types of housing, we were in regular housing. The people who were in regular housing, public housing, she made sure that their rights were advocated for um, and really just always kind of looked out for, I'll, I'll use air quotes, the little guy, while although we were the little guy. Uh, and then I would say she was a huge advocate of older folks. Um, as part of her job, she worked during the week uh, in a full-time job and then cleaned houses on the weekend, but also took care of elderly folks and a staunch advocate for elderly rights. Um, so that was probably the, the first leader. And then I would say the second leader that really came about professionally was a woman named Crystal, Crystal Gaskins, uh, who actually ran a headhunting temporary firm that I ended up spending about a year at, but quickly realized that was not my calling. But in a world where you are constantly managing the powers that be that want to hire all these people and move people around and the folks who are 
sometimes in vulnerable positions and obviously seeking a job, she always managed to treat everyone with the, with the ultimate respect. And part of the business was actually um, managing hotels and getting service workers to show up. And that's a tough job, right, to try to motivate people who barely are getting paid enough under not great conditions. Um, and so she taught me three things. She taught me how to be a motivator and that recognizing leadership is not mandating, but motivating. She taught me that leadership is not just reporting up, but also reflecting and supporting those who may be underneath you from a hierarchical structure. And she also taught me that leadership was not about money, uh, but it was about producing positive outcomes for whoever your customers were. And if you did that, then obviously the money would come. How would you describe your leadership style and how has that developed over the years? Hmm. I would describe it hashtag work in progress. Um, it, it has evolved over the years, I think, two ways. One, uh, the more people I've been exposed to in leadership positions have certainly helped me pivot and make adjustments. And then certainly as my leadership roles have elevated and probably as the more people I've been responsible for has elevated, uh, you know, certainly being managing partner and founder of 1863 Ventures, we manage a lot of people. We have actually tripled our staff this year. And so we went from three people to oh, actually 12 people plus and growing. Uh, and we went from a couple hundred members to almost 10,000 members. And that's a big deal. Um, I, so my leadership style has evolved in terms of more people that I have reporting to me. I think it's, I, I focus on autonomy. I focus, I'm, I'm very clear that my role is to help other people be successful. Uh, I do set very clear deadlines. I am try to do a good job of kind of projecting what is the overall mission and vision, what are the KPIs and OKRs that we need to hit. And then I feel like I need to get out the way. I need not be a micromanager. I need to recognize, particularly since COVID, that people have kids, they have lives, they have ways that they know how they perform best. And so we now have people who work for me all over the world. And as long as we made our deliverables, I don't need to know that you're sitting in a cubicle or sitting at your computer from nine to five. Um, and that's because I've been at those nine to five jobs where I literally had nothing to do, but I knew I was told I had to be in the office. Uh, and it just seemed like a complete waste of time. And so I'm really laser focused on outcomes and productivity and advancing the vision and mission and not on what does it look like? Because I think a successful work looks different for everyone. And then I would say more externally, as we now have grown to lots of members and we have a social media presence and I talk to people, I'm mindful that the, the probably the most important from an external uh, perspective on my leadership is that I am mindful that I am modeling not just for myself, but particularly for other leaders and particularly Black women and certainly gay Black women, uh, you know, there are not a lot of us. Um, you know, you mentioned that I'm a co-founder of Eureka, so I'm fortunate enough to be in the first 30 or so Black women that have been supported through venture capital, which is a sad statistic, but for a different topic. And so I'm mindful that people are always watching me. And I would say that certainly as a Black woman, people are always watching you, not always for the better and cheering you on, but waiting for you to make a mistake and slip up. And so I'm mindful that when I step into a room or I show up somewhere, I'm not just representing Melissa Bradley and my immediate family. I'm representing all of my members and potentially sending a single effect of what other people are going to expect as Black women. And the final thing I would say that definitely has evolved since now that I'm over 50 uh, is that I feel a much greater freedom to say what's on my mind 
um, than I did before. And I, and I do that. I probably said what was on my mind before, but in a way that was reflective of my frustration and anger with the system. And now I say it with the expect, with a level of calmness and the expectation that it's important that we are honest around what do Black communities experience, and to phrase it in a way not based on anger, but really using data. And so I would say I've consistently been a staunch advocate for Black and Brown communities, but has evolved from being very reactive and saying, well, don't do this and don't do that, to saying, let me explain to you why I think it's important that we take this up and really letting the facts drive the discussion. Some of that probably comes from the fact that I've worked in two presidential administrations, and we all know that that just goes back and forth and often times based on rhetoric and not fact. And having six kids in a world of social media, I think there's something, the, the art of, of conversation based on facts and data has devolved to uh, opinions and pundits. And, and I think that's a challenge around leadership because your job is not, in my mind, to convince people, but to inform people and allow them to make decisions for themselves. I, I saw you on a post uh, with a Washington Post um, uh, interview, and it you were amazing. And it's interesting to listen to you describe what you just said, because I could see all of that reflected in how you responded there. And um, make one other quick uh, comment about as a company grows, WEPA is growing as well. And you are so spot on. We have, as, as leaders, we have to let go and trust those people that work for us and empower them to do their job and then let them roll. And that's not always easy. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com slash vision. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.